I've been praying considerably about uh, tonight's service. Uh, and how many of you got to hear the message about fellowship with the Holy Spirit on Sunday? Did y'all get to hear that message? Uh, if you didn't get to hear it, I really encourage you to, uh, to go online and, and, and check that message out. And reason being is because it's the direction that I'm going to be uh, taking us in 2022 is to learn how to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, what that really looks like. <clears throat> I think, and I may mention this a number of times, Mike, I know I didn't, I didn't necessarily get your permission on the quote, but it wasn't like a big secret. I think I have the quote right. You can correct me if I had it wrong. I think you came to me, I believe it was you, who said, if you can teach us how to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we can finally truly be a Holy Ghost church. Is that close to what you said? What did, what did you actually say? Because I've been repeating it in my brain. I said, if you can get across uh, the Holy Spirit as you were presenting it, then we will be an unstoppable, powerful. That's what he said. If I can get our church to understand the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we can be an unstoppable, powerful Holy Ghost church. I'll add my own two cents to it. But I, I, that really resonated with me because I think that you're absolutely right. So, as you know, I'm not continuing tonight to talk about fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I've already written three quarters of Sunday's message. So it's like right there, so I've got to be very careful not to, to look at it. And uh, usually I'm out here with a great big book, and, and tonight I have this much. But I assure you, it's going to take a lot longer than just that. Um, because I was also thinking about that in terms of preparing for the Lord's return, which is our Wednesday night direction, right? right? Um, and I was, I've been throwing around a verse lately. Maybe I've done it here, but I know I have in, in private conversations um, about Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles op uh, open to Acts chapter 2. Um, because a lot of end times, well, when you just look at preparing for the Lord's return in context of end times, it can, be, it can seem like a lot of foreboding news, negative possibilities, scary, you know. And, and you remember there were certain uh, Wednesday nights that I was like, okay, how do, I, how do I turn this evening into a positive kind of thing, you know? Um, and I, I want you to know that there is a positive to this. Not a positive for the unbelievers in any way, shape, or manner. And may I suggest not a positive for people, i.e. churches, who do not have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There's a connection. I'm not trying to repeat Sunday's message in any way and very hard trying not to carry over into what I got planned for this upcoming Sunday, but I realized that there's a part of this fellowship with the Holy Spirit that is essential to be prepared for the, whole, for the Lord's return. Y'all catch what I'm saying? And so... Uh, uh, Acts chapter 2, you know, part of the good news that I have mentioned a number of times is that, you know, the end times is not all negative news because uh, the Scripture tells us that, you know, there's going to be an outpouring of His Spirit. That's right. So they're in the connection, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, right? So Acts chapter 2, I'm going to start with verse 14. 
But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Now he quotes from, I believe, Joel chapter 2. And it says this, And it shall be in the last days. God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. Now, pause for a minute. Are we in the last days? We know that, right? Uh, we don't even have to be on a course of uh, studying, being prepared for the Lord's return to know that we are in the last days. We are in the last days. You can just, you just look at the landscape, the panoramic view of things that are going around us and know the clock is ticking. And so one of the greatest things, I think, that is the potential for the church in the last days. Not just the church in general, but the true church. Maybe even a church that knows what it means to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. See, there's a lot of churches that uh, they don't have the Holy Spirit as a part of anything other than an attachment to everything in their, that they do, but it's not really an active participant in anything. They're not going to maybe recognize this. So literally it says, and it shall be. Is there a question about that? It shall be that in the last days, God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. That means that there is such a thing as the, end, the last days revival, the end times revival. I've, I've prophesied and said so many times that there's going to come a day when those that are tired of the watered down gospel light who recognize that there's no power in what they're doing are going to be flocking to churches that truly knows what it means to be spirit-filled. And it ain't about our current picture of what Pentecost or charismania may look like. It might be a little bit more about understanding what it means to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So if he's going to pour out his spirit in the last days... If there was ever a time for us to understand fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Mike, this might be it for us to take a new journey as believers. So he goes on to say, and I'll get to the point of my message. I'm trying real hard not to, to skid over into, I wish I didn't even have that on that page. Do, do this like this, skid over into Sunday's message. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Here's, here's, here's my main verse right here tonight. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will grant wonders in the sky above. <clears throat> and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, isn't it interesting that just before the signs of his coming that we read about in Matthew 24, 
the uh, wonders in the sky, suns on the earth, blood and fire, vapors of smoke, sun turned into darkness, and the moon into blood. All stuff we read in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 about those last days says, just before that happens, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out, but he, but it, he, he said, I'm going to pour it out on all, man, all mankind, but he qualifies it. He qualifies who all mankind is. And it's almost like they run through this funnel. So I'm going to pour out my spirit on all mankind up here at the widest point, and then the funnel gets a little bit smaller because the ones that I'm talking about, he's saying, is your sons and your daughters and your sons and daughters are, are going to prophesy. Then it gets a little narrower again. And your young men are see visions. And, and it gets narrower again. And your old men shall dream dreams. And then it gets down to the final point. And it says, even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. I believe, as I read this, and I funnel this down, that being a bond servant is part of the key of understanding what it is to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Not only do I not think that many of us, including me, have a full understanding of what fellowship with the Holy Spirit is, I would venture to say that many of us, including me, don't have a full grasp of what is intended by the word bond servant. Now, those of us in, uh, <coughs> in the church uh, vein that talk a lot about ministry of helps, and I am one of those. We believe in the ministry of helps, and God is teaching me a lot about finding balance in all things. We kind of use that to say, look, if you're not involved in the ministry of helps, then you're not a servant, so you're going to miss out on this. That's not what's being expressed in this text. If you're not serving in the house of God, you won't get none of the pouring out in that revival. That is not what's being expressed here. So tonight, our subject matter is preparing for the return of the Lord, my bondservants. And to take a look at that for a minute. And, and I believe that if you're, if, I don't think you'll have to stretch at all or think very deeply at all to totally connect it to the direction the Holy Spirit started to take us on having fellowship with Him that He took us on on Sunday morning. Many of the epistles of Paul, actually many of the epistles, not just Paul's, they all kind of start with a, a, a phrase. For example, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, I think, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or another translation might say, bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the same thing in Philippians, in James, in other areas in the epistles where it starts off with the introduction here I am, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like the opener. The word used comes from the Greek word doulos, and it's D-O-U-L-O-S, I think it is. And it actually is translated not just servant, but bondservant, or in some cases, bond slave. With all the stuff that's going on in our country, most of America doesn't even like to consider the word slave as an optional word of use. And we can understand that in the dynamic that we live in right now. But let's, let's get it out of this century for a minute. Let's get it out of the culture of what's happening in our country and around the world uh, about race 
And let's, let's, let's see if we might be able to look at this word bond slave from a Christ perspective versus from a Civil War perspective. Are, are you understanding? Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so what it is is it, it's the picture that has shows a, what it is is a picture of a servant that's been freed from their servitude to a master. And that's how it was in the Old Testament. We'll read about it in a few minutes. I think every seven years they had to free their servants. Okay? However, if the servant says, but, sorry, if the servant says, I better do mine too. Thank you for the reminder. If the servant says, but I don't want to go. I want to stay. And I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Then that, that becomes a bond servant. That person moved from being a servant to now a bond servant. They're saying that I'm going to serve you out of choice, and I'm going to serve you out of love. I'm not going to serve you out of duty. I'm going to serve you because I choose to be with you. All right? And so that's the actual definition and picture of a bond servant. And a key element, I believe, of fellowship with the Holy Spirit is being a bond servant of Christ. Not just a servant of God. Not just a person who serves on the ministry of helps. Let's, let's not take that as a qualifier to be under the funnel of his outpouring. It is good. I believe in the ministry of helps. I will continue to teach about it. I want people to be involved in it. But ministry of helps is not a heaven or hell issue. Being a bondservant may just be. Hmm. Stir the soup, Lopez, stir the soup. Um, I wrote here that I don't, I'm not sure that we can have an authentic relationship with Christ with, or to have an authentic fellowship with the Holy Spirit and not be a bondservant of Christ. I believe they go hand in hand. And so we're going to take a little bit. So I, I began to kind of study that out, and I like to do research, and, and I love the old preachers, um, the old school preachers from years and years and years ago. And I, I, look, I look for illustrations, uh, key points, that I, oh, man, I want to run with that point, and thank you, Jesus, for giving me that point, you know. And I read this sermon today by Leonard Ravenhill. Has anybody ever heard the name Leonard Ravenhill? Now, he was a minister, I think, from the late 1800s. I might be mistaken about that, but he was one mighty preacher, mighty man of God, Leonard Ravenhill. And so I'm going to do something really different tonight because I couldn't have said it better than what Reverend Leonard Ravenhill said in his specific sermon called the bond servant, because there's some stuff in here that I believe we need to hear. Okay? And it'd be easy enough for me to plagiarize this and put it into my notes and pretend that I wrote it, but I didn't. Okay? Um, but I want you to hear what I'm about to say, <clears throat> what I'm about to read to you, but I want you to hear it from the context of what God is doing here. As He's, he's given me direction for 2022, and that's to help this church become... Have to understand what it means to have fellowship with Holy Spirit. To even try to go through the difficulty of removing the article, the, from in front of the Holy Spirit. 
How many of you have had a hard time this week not saying the Holy Spirit? Anybody? It's hard, isn't it? Uh, you know, I had to face a, a, a fairly uh, serious situation just, uh, I think it was yesterday, in fact, and, and I was praying, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And what was interesting, God has given me revelation as I, as I do this, and now I live life, and it was a pretty serious situation that I was uh, facing, and I, would go, and I was walking around, Jesus, 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 Holy Spirit, let my face say what my words are intended to. It didn't bother me to speak the name of Jesus and then talk to the Holy Spirit because I'm talk to Holy Spirit because it's all one and the same. Are you, are you, but, but Holy Spirit began to do something in my heart. Holy Spirit began to comfort me. and Holy Spirit began to guide me because I was invoking the name of Jesus and I was talking to the Father, but I was speaking directly by name, Holy Spirit. Help me this afternoon. And it was an amazing thing that I was able to live that out um, just, what, days after preaching the message. So I'm going to bear with me. Trust me in this. This is powerful. I wanted to speak to us about understanding why we need to be bond servants of Jesus Christ, not just servants in the kingdom, not servants in the house. We have, I believe, misused that by making servanthood in the house the beginning and see all of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's just an outflow. It should be an outflow of our relationship with God. So here we go. Are you ready? One of, the most one of the most misunderstood relationships in the kingdom is relationship of the bondservant to the master. We do not like the concept of a servant or slave. It goes against our independent, selfish lifestyles. Many in the kingdom want to not be servants or slaves, but to be rulers. Many big egos rule the church and have little desire to be servants at all. Jesus made it clear that that is the wrong attitude and that for him to effectively work, we must understand and live in this bondservant relationship. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, and I believe these are going to be on the screen. And Jesus said, calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it <coughs> excuse me, over them, and their great men exercise authority over them, but it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Reverend Ravenhill goes on to say, we do, not so hum excuse me, we do not so willingly throw ourselves into this concept, how we grieve our Lord when we cannot willingly go with him. Our hearts are hardened by our idols. Our hearts do not sing the songs of Zion, but they sing money, power, sex, authority, and religion. I want to go back and look at the bond-servant relationship in ancient times 
and see what kind of relationship it was to see how I should accept it now. And remember, I'm reading this in context that it may, be, it may very well be possible that we cannot have fellowship, true, authentic fellowship with Holy Spirit and not be a bondservant of Christ at the same time. So it's important for us to understand this. So he's now taking us to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. And it shall come about if he says to you, let me give a little background here. This is the story I was telling you about the slave who has now been freed, but he doesn't want to go, okay? And it shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household since he fares well with you. Then you shall take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door. And he shall be your servant forever, and also you shall do likewise to your maidservant. When God brought the Jews out of Egypt, he reminded them that they had been redeemed from slavery, and that they were not to mistreat the slaves among them. He also made provision for the slaves to be released every seven years. No one would be a slave all his life against his will, but there was a special provision made for the love relationship between the servant and the master. When the servant developed a love relationship between himself or herself and the master, then the provision was made for the temporary servant to become a permanent servant. And all was used to pierce the oar, excuse me, to pierce the ear into the door as a symbol the servant would not leave that house forever. Again, remember that was by choice because of love. An awl was used to pierce the ear. Oh, they, let me go on. I already read that. Our Lord is a Lord of people, and he sees into the heart and cares about our feelings and emotions. He cares that a servant serves of a willing and loving heart is if he is to serve forever, praise his holy name. It's the attitude of our Savior. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now hang with me, y'all. Oh, beloved, this is the master speaking. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the everlasting father, the mighty God, the king of the universe. This verse absolutely plows into my heart. Jesus, you are lowly and meek. How can I be anything less than that? My Lord, you are the sweetest thing in my life. How gently and sweetly you deal with my soul. What a savior. A yoke was usually considered a cruel thing, but Jesus' yoke is, a easy, is easy or kind. A yoke many times was for two oxen. Actually, the yoke had a big side and a smaller side. The large, strong ox would be on the big side, and the smaller, weaker ox that needed to learn the ways would be on the smaller side. The larger ox would carry the larger proportion of the load. I know Jesus is on the other side of my yoke, pulling with me, and he is carrying most of the load. Can somebody say amen? When Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us, he was saying, in the midst of the really hard times, in the midst of the battle, when the foe seems to be all around you, I will not abandon you. 
Praise Jesus, we're yoked together as beasts of burden or as fellow servants. Look at this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. This is the quintessential bond-servant text right here. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, look here, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I don't know why we don't talk about bondservant more often because it says right here, one of the scriptures we love to talk about and quote, Jesus made, take, took the form of a bondservant. He says, I'm going to willingly give myself to the master freely because I love him. All right, we're getting, there, getting ready to get into it now. You see how humble and lowly he is? He did this for us. He went to the cross for us. Three nails, a cross, and the sin of the world. He was broken and poured out for us, and he asked us to do the same. He said we are to take up our cross and follow him, be broken and spilled out for a dying world. Oh, sweet Jesus, how can we do anything other but to obey and follow you, our fellow bondservant? This is how we will overcome the world. This is the hope of a dying world. The church has to learn the way of the bondservant to reach the place they need to be to answer the cry of the lost. How many heartaches, how my heartaches to be a bondservant of my Lord I love so much. Now, what, what, what grabbed my spirit as I was reading this and also thinking about fellowship of the Holy Spirit is that I want my heart to ache to get there, to be a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I got, a, I got a, a, a great big notebook. Me and Kevin McCurry put together great big notebooks a number of years ago on reading the Bible, and we, we would read the New Testament once a month, and we each had our big notebook, and I don't remember what he wrote on his, but I think he might have wrote his name or something, and and I was going to write my name on it, but before I wrote my name, I, I, I ended up writing... Servant of the Most High God. That's what I would rather have been known uh, as at that time in my life than even Rick. And I thought about that today, and I thought it would have been really cool if I'd have been mature enough to know that the right word would have been, may I be a bondservant of Christ. Because it takes it, even what I told you already, it takes it a little bit farther, doesn't it? Okay, and I was, he, he got my heart when he did a quote by A.W. Tozer. So, <laughs> listen to this. A.W. Tozer said, The natural man is a sinner because and only because he, makes cha he challenges God's selfhood in relation to his own selfhood. In all else, he may willingly accept the sovereignty of God, but in his own life, he rejects it. For him... God's dominion ends where his begins. For him, self becomes self with a capital S, and in this he unconsciously imitates Lucifer. 
that fallen son of the morning who said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. Now that gripped me. I'm meeting with couples right now, and I was talking to them the other day about the 12-step program. And one of the keys to freedom is step three. Step one is admitting that you're powerless to drugs. Step two is admitting that it takes a power greater than yourself to restore your life to sanity. And step three is to turn your will and your life completely over to that power as you understand him. I think that's the journey of a bondservant, to turn your will and your life completely over. I mean, listen at this part again. For him, God's dominion ends where his begins. For him, self becomes self. And in this, he unconsciously imitates Lucifer. Tozer knows how to nail it. That when I let self rise up to be ruler of my life, I imitate Lucifer and what he did in heaven. Rising up for self over God. That should, that should grip our hearts just a little bit. Now on with uh, Leonard Ravenhill. Yet so subtle is self that scarcely anyone is conscious of its presence. Because man is born a rebel, he is unaware that he is one. His constant assertion of self, as far as he thinks it of, all, of it all, appears to him a perfectly normal thing. He is willing to share himself, sometimes even to sacrifice himself for a desired end, but never to dethrone himself. No matter how far down the scale of social acceptance he may slide, he is still in his own eyes a king on a throne, and no one, not even God, can take that throne from him. Turn your will and your life completely over to God. You know, what, you know what that is? That's taking your ear up to the doorpost and saying, Father, pierce my ear with that all. That's what that is. This one person I was talking to, they, they sent me a text a few days later and they said, Why is this so hard? And you know, a lot of people try to do that on their own. Self is still in the throne. Self still hasn't been dethroned. All right, I'll get on with it. Uh-oh. Now, we just talked about self, right? Here's the next paragraph. This is also true in the church. Many worship at the altar of self and know it not. The bondservant is done with self and will worship at that altar no more. For him... For him, for him is the high calling of the obedient, broken, and poured out servant. The world can have no hold on him any longer. When we serve a God who is almighty in every ultimate sense, and we really understand that, the world has no attraction. Our gaze is ever on that one so holy and so lovely. Faith, oh, I love this statement. We ought to remember this one. Faith knows not where it goes but loves the one it follows. That is a powerful statement. Recently, I was searching out my Lord in prayer. My heart was yearning to seek this lowly position of bondservant. My prayer was that I would be diminished and reduced to the level of the servant and learn the servant ways. You wives are going to love this next couple of paragraphs. 
I've been married over 25 years at this writing. I have a job that entails extensive travel over eight western states. One of my problems was when I came home on the weekend and my wife would call out from some other part of the house to help her with the laundry or dishes or some other household chore, I would rebel and many times refuse to help. It was my own selfishness and stubborn nature coming out. In, fa in fact, many times I would retort to my wife in some smart aleck remark, answer that would often lead to a fight. I'm not proud of this, and I only insert this to show you the wonders of our God. Now check this out. Several months ago, I was praying in my office upstairs in our house. I specifically was praying to be a servant of God. God came to me, and he asked, do you want to be my servant? And I answered, why, yes, I do. Then he cut to the chase and he said, how can you be my servant when I call you across the heavens and you cannot be your wife's servant when she calls you from across the house? It has some comedy to it, but it's pretty doggone clear. Ouch, he writes. I suddenly felt about an inch tall, but bless my Lord, this was a learning time and I wanted to be obedient. The next month, I simply obeyed my wife's wishes with no comment. I almost bit my tongue in two a few times. After a while, I began to rather enjoy the companionship and the camaraderie with my wife and was learning to enjoy the sharing of work. I hope you all are seeing the spiritual side of what I'm saying as well here. I was improving almost imperceptibly, but, nothing, but changing nonetheless. Then as time progressed, the most remarkable change began to happen in my heart. My love for my wife began to absolutely grow far beyond what it had been. Mind you, I was not a pillar in that, but the Lord was showing me the love in the bondservant relationship. I started doing the jobs because I loved the one I served. My heart melts when I look at her now, and many times I weep with love for her. One day, my wife looked at me in wonder and asked, what happened to you? She had seen the changes and was delighted. I think it's interesting that in this perspective, it was him sitting on the throne, right, when he come home from his ministerial work. And what a statement to say, why would you hear me from across heaven when you can't hear your wife from across the house? And as he began to die to self and to begin to walk in companionship and camaraderie with her. He was learning, and it was a joy to share the work. He began to fall even more in love. This is, I want you to see the spiritual side of this fellowship with the Holy Spirit slash bond servant relationship that we need as we prepare for these last days. Here's the closing remark. What a God we serve. What a Lord we have. Are you a bondservant of the Lord? Do you love him above all else? Have you learned to be a bondservant to others? Has he planted his love in you? Beloved, today is a good day to start. Now, I know you probably would have wished that I had written my own message tonight, but I could not have said these words any more eloquently than Reverend Leonard Hill had already laid down in history. Especially in terms of us going, and in the last days, 
God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all flesh, even on my bond servants. I believe that in these last days that we live, we need to have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. As I'm going to talk a little bit on Sunday, it goes far beyond our picture of Pentecost. It goes far beyond our picture of what we might be cautiously look at in charismatics. Maybe we should look at it from the other perspective of a bondservant, the person who is willing to obey the master at all costs because self no longer exists, to finally be a people that turns their will and their life completely over to God. And I'll guarantee you, notice I'm not going to say none of you, I'm going to say none of us have actually made the cut on that particular area. There are still areas, I, will, I, can, I have to be sure that in each of our lives there are still areas where self, every now and again, gets a capital S. And I understand that because we're still in this earth suit. So may our journey as we go forward, as we prepare for the Lord's return, whether that be in 2022 or 3022, we won't be around then, but anyway, whether it be soon or whether it be later, may we begin to leave the handprints of people who are truly walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit because we are not by our own eyes, but by the eyes of our master, bondservants of Jesus Christ. We willingly choose to give ourselves away. I give myself away. I give myself away that you might use me should be the cry of our heart tonight. Amen? All right. Father, I ask that this word can pierce our hearts. And though probably many of us won't remember many of the words of Leonard Ravenhill, may we remember your words that says in these last days that you're going to pour out your spirit. And it's going to be a Holy Spirit revival like nothing has ever hit planet Earth. Azusa Street will pale in comparison. Brownsville will pale in comparison. Toronto, Lakeside, all of them will pale in comparison to what you're about to do in this land in these last days because we got our picture, Lord, of what we think it ought to look like and we got to wipe that slate clean and say you're going to do something with your bondservants in these last days, Lord. May we have such fellowship with you that we know when you brush by us, we won't miss you. When you come nudge us, We'll, say, we'll know, Holy Spirit's just nudged me. When you come prompt us, we'll know, Holy Spirit's just prompted me. When you begin to speak to us, we'll know, Holy Spirit's speaking to us. And we'll have such fellowship with you because we can be bondservants. Help us on this journey, Lord. Help us as your servants, servants of the Most High God, become bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ and authentically have true fellowship with Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I'll, I'll preach my own message on Sunday morning. How's that sound?
apparently I had to do everything I could to stay away from it tonight. I love you all. I appreciate you. Let's continue this journey. I really want to encourage you all this week. You pray to the Father, our Father who art in heaven. Absolutely. You pray in Jesus' name, but I just double-dog dare you. You're facing something, call, you know, talk to Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, I found myself going, Jesus, 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 Holy Spirit, help my voice be right when I talk. You know, and, and, and there was no confusion about who I was talking to because I was talking to God. But I was invoking the one who's walking with me right now. And it's powerful. And let's become bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. I love you guys. Let me pray with you, and then we're going to, again, we'll stack chairs and uh, stacks of four, and uh, then we've got some tables we're going to roll out. And so those of you who are physically able that can help uh, make this happen, uh, we appreciate very much. <clears throat> those who are not, that's okay. Please don't, don't hurt yourself, hurt your back, don't hurt your foot. Over there's my bride. She's here. Yes. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. I call blessings upon each and every person and everybody online. In Jesus' name, amen.